Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Welcome to Taco Bell. From the garden. Enjoy your meal, sir. Garden in the valley. Valley of the jolly green giant. <laughs> Good things from the garden. Garden in the valley. Greetings and salutations, listeners. Welcome to the Real Feels Podcast. Mellow greetings, Drew Hallam. Thank you, Jack Just. Hmm, are we going to proceed with maximum assertiveness into this next film of ours? I believe we are, and happy joy-joy feelings this movie did bring us. Oh, the most joyous of joy-joy feelings, Drew Hallam. Ah, yes. Be, be very ever so careful not to violate any of the morality statutes, or else you may incur a fine. Well, I think uh, what you're trying to say, Drew, is that in just a few TikToks, we're going to be doing our sci-fi movie. Ah, oh, I, I do believe that he has just meet his match. Oh, you mean, you mean met your meat? Oh, sorry. Met his match. <laughs> yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Real Feels Podcast. We bring you joy, joy feelings and new movies every other Wednesday. And here I am joined by my good friend, Jack Just, podcast host. And we'll be discussing today, 1993's Demolition Man. At the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from his cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi! From another time. Pass is over, John! Time for something new and improved! Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. Well, 
Well, if that doesn't make you want to be well, I don't know what will. Be, be well, podcast host Jack Just. Uh, if you can't see us right now, and it's, it'd be rather creepy if you could, uh, Drew and I just did an upraised high five uh, about a few inches from our each other's hands, rotating. I, I have uh, formally introduced and uh, asserted my presence to you. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit tonight about Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, and... Uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. A young Sandra Bullock. A young, young, unknown Sandra Bullock. So, guys, if, if you have seen Demolition Man, I think you would understand exactly how fun this movie actually is to the craziness that it definitely uh, exudes. It, uh, it is our sci-fi movie at mm-hmm. this point. We did promise you a drama movie, but however, uh, a few snafus kind of came into play and- Life and goes on. Life goes on. So uh, we are not joined by our good podcast host, Nathan Zimmerman, but he will be back for our drama movie in just two weeks. So Demolition Man, directed by Marco Brambia. This Who was... never did much of <laughs> anything of note anything ever again. <laughs> this was his first movie. He's primarily known for like the Dinotopia TV series. With an avalanche of rave reviews and numerous awards, Dinotopia, the Emmy award-winning miniseries, was one of the most acclaimed television events in recent history. We got a winner! Now, the journey... Never seen it. Which I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell it. you that I... <laughs> <laughs> couldn't tell you that I've seen it. Um, I do remember the books when I was a kid. I love the idea of the, you know, society that bonded with dinosaurs and basically made them one with society. It was kind of neat. Are you... Is is this in all related to the uh, the toy line? I think it might be the Mattel toy line with like the the half cyborg uh, no, dinosaurs. No, no, my friend, you are thinking of Dino Riders. I would actually more prefer to see Dino. I Riders. love Dino Riders. That's one of my favorite movies as a kid. That that was a fun fun series. So 1993's Demolition Man, in my opinion, Drew. Is and as as Nathan stated, uh, as we were talking about a little bit last night, he said it was like eating dinner, but the entire dinner was just candy and uh, and sweets, and that's sort of what Demolition Man is. It's a rated R action flick, but it's really tailor made for uh, a bunch of adolescent, preteen, or thirteen year old sixth grade boys to sit around watching during a sleepover with uh, some delivery pizzas and some wings and entirely too much caffeinated soda. That's I, how I watched it. I, I would definitely agree. I, I personally saw Demolition Man myself when I was around like 12 or 13, and it's such fun. I mean, despite the fact that it's uh, based in a, like, what? It, it, a it Brave opens, New World? A Brave New World. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it opens up on uh, 1996, uh, very, very uh, close to the time in which the filming actually, the movie came out in 1993, so it was very, very... Uh, near to the LA, the times of the LA riots. And you can sort of get this impression that the LA riots, riots have just sort of continued to escalate. Right. And uh, so LA is sort of in ruins, or at least parts of it, even uh, as the helicopter going over in the scene, the Hollywood sign is on fire. It's on fire. And uh, we've got a, a an LA that has been, uh, the police force has been completely militarized because uh, John Spartan, Sylvester Stallone is flying in a double-rotored Chinook helicopter, and he is going to try to take down the number one felon, 
Simon Phoenix. Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes. So you have Sylvester Stallone, well-known face, well-known guy. I mean, obviously known for Rambo and Judge Dredd. And for people out there who are not exactly familiar with Wesley Snipes, uh, he's Blade. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate a bill. All right, I think everybody knows like who and what Blade is. Don't discount Passenger 57. <laughs> <laughs> I won't have it on my watch. <laughs> but also a very uh, a very young as you as we had already uh, stated, a very young uh Sandra Bullock who had not done Miss Congeniality just yet. So uh she's kind of allowed to be funny at this point. She uh, was a last minute replacement because really uh, the the role was originally supposed to go to Lori Petty. Laura Petty? Laura Petty. Laura Petty. Yes. And uh, she exited filming after a few days uh, under creative differences. Creative differences. Though. Which I, I don't think this was any great loss for the uh, film. No. No. She. What were you discussing? Like, I remember her from In the Army Now with Polly Shore. Point break for me. Point break. I'm pretty okay. sure she was uh, Keanu Reeves' love interest in that. Yeah. I think, I think Sandra Bullock. Uh, wasn't she in Tank Girl, too? Was she in Tank Girl? I think she was Tank Girl. Um, I don't remember Tank Girl. It's not really worth remembering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie itself was only fifty-seven million dollars. Which, well, wait, wasn't I mean, it? Wasn't it forty-four to seventy-seven million? Didn't okay, that's right. This, okay, this so, wonky. So uh, it, there's this weird buffer zone between forty-four and fifty-seven million dollars. How do you how do you miss thirteen million dollars? Maybe it was forty-four. Maybe it was seventy-seven. I don't know. Was cocaine written into the budget? <laughs> Lots of cocaine. Lots of cocaine that they did not account for. Mm-hmm. So, $57 million only made $58 million. It barely. In the, in the U.S. gross. It barely made its money back. But then worldwide, $159 million. Eh, respectable. It's not bad. It's not terrible. I'm sure the bean counters say after we paid for the uh, the marketing for the movie uh, it didn't make any money at all and i think sylvester sloan actually was still in litigation as as late as 2010 to try to get uh back payment and royalties for the movie uh, mm. due to hollywood accounting you have an interesting cast where you uh you not only have uh nigel hawthorne who is playing our uh, our antagonist the uh the dr raymond cocteau who basically is responsible for this future utopian society of san angeles mm-hmm. so it's no longer san andreas it's uh the unified districts of san diego, san diego los angeles it. and santa barbara that's it so san angeles is uh where the uh where the movie takes place and you you have a society where again everyone is uh everyone is being well joy joy feelings. joy joy feelings they are uh non-touching they don't touch sex has been basically outlawed and pretty much any good food any good food nothing spicy beer no nope. no because it's bad for you hence it is deemed illegal mm-hmm. mm. so anything that is good for you uh is uh technically illegal anything that you could possibly enjoy and anything that is morally questionable such as swearing ah swearing a uh, uh, a violation of the morality statute yes the sada voce or sada voce so Dr. Cocteau is uh, kind of like deemed as a savior to the society where uh, everything is now perfect and there's nothing wrong. They they haven't had any like real true crime that they need to get 
you know, the police force up in arms about. And Sandra Bullock's character, Lenina Huxley, is not really, this isn't sitting well She's with her. Bored. She's, She's bored. She's bored. She, she wants just some wants action. some action. She, she longs for the time of the 20th century. Lenina Huxley checking in. Is police presence requested? Not at this time. Oh, oh. I just want some action. <laughs> Don't you ever want something to happen? Goodness, no. I knew you were going to say that. <sighs> what I wouldn't give for some action. She's also sort of the uh, resident 20th century uh, file. Kind of like guru. Yeah. This her, is what this is what she's obsessed with. Her office and apartment are just rife with uh like memorabilia. Little yeah. knickknacks. Yeah. Like um if you were going to have a poster in your office, I probably wouldn't have a poster of uh Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon three. three. Maybe Lethal Weapon One, possibly right. the second one, but but not Lethal Weapon Three. No. You uh you have an interesting uh, appearance from uh Bob Gunton playing the chief. Or the uh, the chief of police, uh, the warden from Shawshank Redemption, Redemption, playing a non dick dick, a non dick dick. Yeah, he uh, he now has a bald head, mm-hmm. uh, but he's still kind of like asserting that authority and uh, kind of being a little bit domineering. But he's he's adapted to this new society of you know again morally right. Everything is out the window that is wrong. And, uh, I mean, like, he's so, uh, he's so confident in his Are job. you well, Drew? I am, I am well. I am well. Thank you. Thank you for checking in on me. And please, uh, send those joy, joy feelings. He, uh, he's checking in on the police. He's very happy to, like, you know, send out his cops. And he says, you know, mm, units, protect and serve, carry on. And serve, protect. Is that what it is? It's it serve. is serve, protect. Oh, my apologies. Serve and protect. He even questioned Lenina Huxley when she was coming into work. He said, I monitored your call to the cryo prison. Do you really wish for chaos? So we also have Otho. Was oh. it Gary Shaddix or Glenn Shaddix? I think it's Gary Shaddix. Who plays, I, what is it, Associate uh, Associate Bob. Bob. Greetings and salutations. I'm Associate Bob. Sorry, um, no, it is Glenn. You're right. It is Glenn Shaddix. Glenn Shaddix playing Associate Bob, who we're going to henceforth refer to the as rest Otho. of this episode as Otho or Future Otho. Future Otho. Because really, when he was brought on for the casting, all they wanted him to do was just recreate the role of Otho from Beetlejuice. Yeah, they've got him dressed up all funky. Uh, like Otho? He looks like a couch. He looks like a couch. He's got his little he's got his sh- shock of gray little, hair. His little it's not even gray. I think it's, it's like a, a it's like a bleach blonde. Yeah, it's it's definitely an affectation. His little uh his uh Pomeranian puff essentially mm-hmm. like on the top of his head. So um Otho plays associate Bob, who is basically the the lapdog, the lapdog, the assistant to Doctor Cocteau. Ah, evil Mister Rogers. Evil Mister Rogers. <laughs> You also have an interesting set of characters who are uncredited for the film, and it's one of their very first introductions into the film industry. Aside from doing either like sketch comedy or random TV appearances, you have not only Rob Schneider. (laughs) He doesn't know how to use the three seashells. I can see how that could be. Which don't say that. With that too. much enthusiasm. <laughs> he's he's good in this movie, though. I he's can't say that too movie. loud. Rob Schneider. 
And I think, like, he's basically, he plays the receptionist for the yeah, he, San Angeles Police Department. He plays the call but guy. It, it's sort of a riff on his his popular SNL sketch guy of the, uh, sort of the asshole um, receptionist, though he's, he's not an asshole in this one. He's no. actually rather funny for the scenes that he is present. And then you have uh, Jack Black as a scrap. Well, I don't know if you... Jack you, Black is in it for he's like, like half a like second. Maybe, you, you couldn't count it in seconds. You could count it in frames. In frames. We literally we had he's to rather spelt looking though. We had to rewind it. We had to rewind it and actually like pause almost to see his face. It's so quick you don't even notice him. And you're right. You literally have to like go frame by frame to even notice that it's Jack. He's kind of unrecognizable. I think it was very young. I think it was one year later, maybe. Two when he was in the Never Ending Story three, and he played the bully. I don't think I made it that far <laughs> into the Never. I love Never Ending Story one. <laughs> I've seen Never Ending Story two, uh, which was not good. It was okay. I enjoyed the fact that um, the Rock Monster had a child. That was actually my favorite part. This is shocking turn of events. <laughs> shocking turn of events. Did you know there was a TV series? Oh, God. <laughs> there was also a television cartoon they're, series. They're going to bang that drum, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's died out. And I mean, that would actually... Do you think that would do well if they remade it? I don't know if anyone would actually attempt to remake I, I've it. I've got mixed feelings about remaking things that don't need to be remade. In my opinion... If if you want your children to grow up watching Neverending Story, show them Neverending Story. It doesn't have to be a uh, a brand new version with all the latest effects and CGI. It's just as good, even though the the writer of Neverending Story hated the film adaptation. It was right. my Neverending Story growing up. And, oh yeah, and if it's good enough for me, well, God damn it, it's good enough for you. Whoa, whoa, oh, verbal oh. morality clause. Oh, oh. You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality standard. <laughs> Jack Dust, you've been fined one half credit for the Sado Voce Verbal Morality Clause. Are you are you well, podcast host Jack Just? My heart's giving me some TikToks here, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm going to uh, try to enhance my calm, enhance your calm, and not proceed with so much <laughs> maximum assertiveness. Oh so, my gosh! In this utopian society, guys, you have Sylvester Stallone playing John Spartan, and he's been put into the cryo prison because he was blamed. For not only causing mass destruction in 1996. He's the Demolition Man. He is the Demolition Man. I I, I love the name John Spartan. John Spartan. Like, if that's the most 90s action hero movie name out there. They might as well have called him, like, Bobby Kickass or something <laughs> like that. Jet Just, you've been fined one half no, your continuous violation of the verbal morality code has issued me to warrant and alert... The San Angeles Police Department. Please stand by for your reprimand. So there, like this movie is, it's not great, but it sort of it ticks off a lot of boxes for me. Um, it's early '90s, so all the setting and scenery is actual sets and scenery, or or the wide shots are matte paintings. There's, but there's, a lot of it's Orange County. Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's no CGI. The, no. the futuristic cars they're driving in are physical futuristic prop cars um the only like special effects that actually come into play are the, the bad explosion the bad explosions and like the laser gun yeah that's really it oh laser guns there's the one at the end where they're cutting them out the isn't eyes. this the future where are all the phaser <laughs> rifles at <laughs> john spartan has been frozen in the cryo facility this is a 
essentially, instead of like bogging down the prison, the prisons with prisoners, they are uh, they're frozen in, uh, say, like carbonite, essentially uh, transparent, carbonite. transparent carbonite. They are placed into basically giant uh, petri dishes like, yeah, tall big, petri like dishes? tall petri dishes of ice, which then was filled with goop. And then a, um, a single blue orb is dropped into the goop, which then freezes everything in place. And apparently somehow the technology had been advanced so much that they are keeping them alive somehow. Well, it definitely is advanced because when uh, they, they thawed out John Spartan, he did not have carbonite sickness. No, no, no. He, he was uh, perfectly well to go. A little delirious, but uh, but he's ready to go. So in this future, when you are placed in the cryo prison, you are not only there for a certain amount of years, but you are rehabilitated yep suspended um, suspended animation with rehabilitation so you have computer chips essentially or some type of reprogramming of your brain so if you are a violent offender you have then have something that is placed into your subconscious to make you uh, a bit more docile I possibly think, knitting i think they stole those little uh little electrodes that they put on his chest and on the, on their foreheads from like a set of star trek next generation it does look like those you know yeah. the the um, neural the neural the neural stimulator yep. yes yeah. and then the freezing process uh scene i think sylvester salone said was the worst five hours of filming he's ever endured in his five entire life hours. because he's basically mostly naked inside of a giant petri dish with a a lid on it that they are pumping transparent gel-like fluid into uh to try to get the right amount of his fear and then free the freezing process done when i went to universal studios when i was 13 that was a a gift for my parents for my brother and i we went to now i forget the uh the restaurant again planet hollywood planet hollywood yep okay so we went to planet hollywood and when we got our seat, I'm looking around at all of the props and decorations, and I'm like, this is so cool. This is all movies. This is great. Sir, would you like something to eat? I don't care. I don't care what it is. And I look above me, and I have a naked Sylvester Stallone frozen. Your dinner chandelier was John Spartan's taint, Drew. <laughs> that, it was almost that. I think they literally had to, like, tilt it in a certain way. So you literally didn't have this model of Sylvester Stallone's like ass and balls, like a, just a frozen right coin you. purse. <laughs> so that was my first experience, and that was around the time because I looked up and it was right, like I said, like you know, at the age of like twelve. After seeing this, I looked up and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's Demolition Man!" Oh, okay, it's Demolition Man. <laughs> But he's uh he's released from the cryo prison to take down Simon Simon Phoenix, Phoenix who has also been released uh, or he was up for a parole hearing and Simon Phoenix had a different set of rehabilitation program programmed into him while he was under for the last thirty two dastardly Doctor Cocteau Doctor Cocteau be well mm -hmm. he uh he reprogrammed him to basically be not only stronger but smarter more devious able to. Hack computers, no martial arts and military Bomb training. Bomb technician, terrorist uh, tactics. That's so interesting that you can program someone with terrorist tactics. Especially in this uh, day and age, in that movie of that 
stuff is not really supposed to exist anymore. So, right. Well, well, where did they get the bomb techniques? Oh, from, and- from history books, obviously. In a, the only place Simon Phoenix would find a gun would be in a museum. They sh- when he said that, there should have been an audible soundtrack like, dun dun dun. Because mm. <laughs> well, they, they, they all had that knowing look like, well, that's where they he's paused. there. They paused and they gave the look like, my God. Because he's committed, what, 10? Murder By death that kills point, at yeah, this point? Yeah, around like murder death kills, one eight sevens. Well, and, and that's the thing is the the chopper pilot uh that is the sort of the wizened old black man uh that that knows John Spartan in the future, he would know what a one eight seven is. Heck, I know what a one eight if you listen to our high fidelity episode, you know my one of my top five records was uh Dr. Dre's uh The Chronic. 187 is mentioned quite a lot as code police code for a murder. Yet when that happens and they're like, code 187, what is that? They have to, they have look, to like, it look it up. Like, wouldn't he like somebody has to have known what that was. Like, there are people older than 25 that are in this movie. Right. Which actually brings me to the point of one of the things that I have a huge issue with is like the continuity of the storyline as itself. Because, OK, so 1996. John Spartan is frozen in the cryo prison. He is released after 32? Yeah. Okay, 32 years. And they have n- and they've evolved. Their society has become better for it. Uh and like at this point better in time, better for with air the quotes. biggest air quotes air ever. Quotes. So, they become a more utopian society under the direction of Dr. Raymond Cocteau, and they've not had a murder death kill in 22 years. They've no, not- six They've not had an unnatural death death in in 16 16 years. So at this point, okay, so only 32 years. What what is happening to the point where people who are in their 50s do not understand or remember how society was at that point? Or how violent it was. Or guns or... I mean, there are people who... Spicy food? Spicy food. They clearly know what the history book is, but you have people even like uh, Bob Gutton, who's playing the chief of police. He he understands the, the history that went on. I don't understand his character is so dumbfounded in the way that John Spartan is acting. And he's keeps he keeps calling him like a, a caveman and a caveman. And he's so like taken back by how his actions are. And he's all like, no one like you shouldn't be acting like this. You're a Neanderthal. You are from a different age and era. Blah, 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 blah. It's even at the very end where he's all like, but Dr. Cocteau is gone. And the cryo prison is destroyed. How will we live? You're going to have to get a little bit dirty. And you're you're going to have to get get very clean. And somewhere in the middle, uh, you'll be fine. This movie is full of uh, cheesy action scenes. Cheesy action. Bad one-liners. Bad one-liners. It's just a real mishmash. It's a hunk of chunk of Drew. (laughs) Of just a lot going on. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is when after they've they've unfrozen John Spartan and uh, he he they they joke that he must have thawed out because he's using the bathroom and he comes out and he he oh he gosh. says to uh, Lenina Huxley, Sandra Bullock's character, that uh, you had a toilet paper, <laughs> and they're like, oh, they used wadded up. Handfuls of watered up paper. And but you know, you know the toilet paper. All you got is he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. Three seashells. So this entire scene, it's implied. It's inferred. Sylvester Stallone is sitting there with with a poopy ass. <laughs> no. You disgust me. Go on.
Podcast host Jack Just, you have been violating the moral morality <laughs> statute. You'll find one half credit. Shit! Oh no! I want another half credit. So yeah, he's walking around, and apparently it's it's saying that he has not wiped. I mean, it's it's a given in his mind that there's going to be toilet paper, and he's, he's like, like he's it, got like the John Wayne <laughs> sort of like kind of like saunter. Here like, out that toilet, toilet paper, paper, there, Pilgrim. <laughs> he can't he can't move too too abruptly. Something's gonna schmear. <laughs> oh, God. And he, okay, so the joke that everybody would know if they've ever seen this film and any fan of like sci-fi or action movies, the three seashells. Ah, uh, yes, the three sh- seashells, which you never really get a clear. You get several explanations of, but right. none of them really. None of them are very very water. clear. And even this is the point where Rob Reiner has one of his like two funny lines where he just chimes Rob in. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. No, why, why do you say Rob Reiner? Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Okay. Sorry, director Rob Reiner. <laughs> it's it's one of his like two funny lines where he just chimes in. He's like, oh, he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> I, I can see I can see how that's might be difficult. So apparently in this is futuristic society, there's no toilet paper. You have three seashells sitting by your receptacle your toilet and this is how you clean yourself your demolition hole this is your de- <laughs> i'm guessing there's some sort of bidet in play so okay uh sandra bullock Scrapage. was interviewed on the red carpet and she was finally asked like how do the three seashells work and she she gave an explanation of assuming like basically uh the explanation was that it's like a bidet so one was for like a spray. She's all like, you know, you go number one, you go number two, and then there's cleaning. So one spray apparently is to clean that. Another is to clean your uh, your demolition hole. <laughs> that's, a jo- then, that's a joy, joy feeling right there. Joy, joy. <laughs> <laughs> anything good for you or anything bad for you is deemed illegal. Um, and then the third one is, I guess, for cleaning even more thoroughly. Well, you know, not... No two demolitions are quite alike, <laughs> true. <laughs> so we'll we'll sort of we'll leave it at that. But then at the so at the end of the movie, the last line is as they're walking away is how do you use those three seashells anyway? Or something something along those lines. So I've been led to believe that this movie should not be called Demolition Man, it should be called John Spartan and the Itchy Butthole. <laughs> Because he's clearly gone through this entire movie with a poorly cleaned uh, demolition hole. Well, even when he, after he, like, is mocked for the <laughs> this fact is that taking he, a turn. This is taking a turn. <laughs> when he's been mocked for not knowing the three seashells, he... Nobody tells him! Nobody tells him. They don't explain it. They laugh at him because, you know, mm, the caveman doesn't know how to wipe his own butt. And he sees his old helicopter pilot friend, you know, reminisces with him real quick, insults him, and, you know, starts walking back after he's already received two violations so far and they're like they seem to be old friends but he addresses him in such a demeaning manner they seem to be friends yet he speaks to him in the most profane manner well if you had read my study you would know that this is how insecure heterosexual males used to bond yeah so he walks the cody law it's the cody (laughs) cody we love you it's an elected (laughs) position and uh, we hope you stay in for another another four years podcast uh, he catches up. He said he said he hasn't uh, caught up on all of them, but he said he does. Uh, he listens every now and then. Remember, still... I, I had to take his money. 
So he still we owes watch. you money. He still owes me money because he's going to watch. We're going to watch one of his movies, apparently, at that time. For a slight plug-in, folks, we do have a Patreon. If you would like to go on to, you know, patreon.com forward slash Real Feels Podcast, you can decide how we affect the show and, you know, watch certain movies and bring us those joy-joy feelings. You should really proceed with maximum assertiveness to our Patreon. I think so, too. I think so, too. Yeah. You can you can be getting not only a, a special handwritten note, a, a shout-out on the episode, some Real Feels podcast stickers, but... If you join one of the uh, one of the uh, ten dollar tiers, folks, you can choose a movie that we do. You can choose a specific genre that we do, which is going to be a nice uh, a nice selection coming in the next year. This year we only had nineteen genres. Next year we have ninety. Count them ninety genres and subgenres for this podcast to uh, choose from. So lots to choose from. But back to Demolition Man! Demolition Man! He's at the violation dispenser, and he's walking over, and he's just cursing at it, and it just keeps printing out paper, printing out a fine, printing out a fine, printing out a fine, and he's like, I'll see in a few minutes. So much for toilet paper. So he's gonna go in there and finally wipe, which at that point, you know, he's been walking around with a dirty butt. It's gotta gotta be itchy. Swampy? (laughs) There's a little bit of swamp going on. (laughs) Demolition Swamp. I We should move on. We should move on. <laughs> so, not only has uh, Simon Phoenix been out and causing a bit of havoc, he he's is- He's going for a gun! He's going for a gun. He's not going to set up a drug shop. He's going for a gun. He violates and- uh, Violates. He attacks uh, several citizens, and the police are called. And it's funny because he starts attacking them with all of his martial arts, uh, whatnot, and he- The police don't know how to handle- you know, some guy who's being this crazy, and they have their little like, like a little iPad, or like something. a little iPad that they carry around. He, he says, like, you know, um, ask the subject to lie down prone on the ground with instructions their hands behind the head for criminal. And the computer's talking to him. You know, he's just like, tell maniac to lie <laughs> down with hands behind his head. Simon Phoenix, lie down with your hands behind your head. And he's all like, what? <laughs> no. And Repeat the back. same line and then use the words or else. Simon Phoenix, lie down, or else. At that point, it's like Simon Phoenix turning around going, The fuck did you just say to me? You call me chicken? You call me yellow? <laughs> and again, I think more, he was triggered. Uh, he was triggered. <laughs> Definitely more, triggered. More violence ensues. He's he's kicking in car windows. He, I think he killed a guy when the, uh, the graffiti remover, the shock value uh, of the graffiti remover, I'm I'm convinced. Uh, I didn't look it up. This might be an after show lookup, but the last cop that he fights, where he's sort of like, "Oh yeah, put your hands up, come right. on." He does uh, the ole. <laughs> I think he was one of uh, the Joker's henchmen from uh, Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman. Was it where the Joker goes into the uh, the art uh, right. gallery and yeah. slashing up? I think I'm I'm ninety percent certain. But Simon Phoenix, I think we would both agree. We talked about it a little bit. Definitely has these Joker tendencies. He's sort of like the Joker mixed with a like a maniacal Daffy Duck. You're despicable. I would go with that because he's he's randomly kooky, but he also has the unstable like sanity value of of, of his own. Yeah, and he will he will do that like flip out like the start randomly singing. But when he does that, he kills people. Right. He just doesn't bounce around a room. Exactly. 
So now, not only since, uh, what, gasoline is no longer good for you. So the cars don't even run on gasoline. Like they gel they run on capacity yes, gel is yes, what it was yes. called. So he takes, the cops also don't have guns anymore, people. They have things called stun batons. Yeah. And so basically. It's a better society. You, it's I mean, I guess, Taco you, Bell. Could, I guess I you could mean, still beat people with a stun baton, but you walk up and there's like a button you can press and essentially it sends out an electric shock that I guess could knock them unconscious. See, it that, eventually does. That would have been a cool scene is if all these guys have guns that John's partner is going up against later on and he just like takes down a group of them by sort of beating them senseless with the stun baton. The only time he uses it effectively is to knock out uh, Lenina Huxley before right. he heads to the cryo facility. At the end. Oh, no. Remember, he does test it when they go into the museum. Yeah, but again... But, the, but to... Yeah, you're right. I mean... He's just making the noise. Like, if he... I think it would have been cool if he had taken this this sort of crappy weapon that he's given and sort of made it his own. Oh, like actually beat the crap out of them. Yeah, with it. but it's just sort of a punchline for him. Yeah, because the cops don't even they have the stun batons, but they don't really necessarily know how to use them. We're police officers. We're police officers. <laughs> We're not trying to handle this kind of violence. <laughs> Which is why uh. they unfreeze uh, John Spartan to begin with, because they are all the entire department of them, and apparently. Any uh, the combined departments of San Los Angeles are not enough to take down one man, as as Simon John Spartan Phoenix. said. You know, like, John Vries a maniac to go after one. <laughs> I like how each time we we do our Sylvester Stallone impressions, we have the, like the lips going. The li- you have to. You have to do the a- Adrian. Yeah, you <laughs> kissing. I was a good kisser. You have to like adjust your face to make it to like you know semi semi paralyzed half of it. Jack, do you have Bell's palsy? No, I'm just doing my Sylvester Stallone here. <laughs> Leave me be. Leave me alone. I will not be judged by you. Uh, so John Spartan. Yeah. So and that and in this scene, we get a little bit of a glimpse and insight into why Simon Phoenix has been prematurely thought out, and he suddenly has all this training and all this stuff is because, because he's been thought out a on beloved purpose. Doctor Cocteau. Yeah, which they don't really make too much of a mystery. It's like, oh, it's a mystery for 10 minutes, and then... Right. He He's unthawed to take out a man named Edgar Friendly. Mr. Edgar Mr. Friendly. Mr. Edgar Friendly, who is basically the leader of the resistance. It's a, like a group of people who live in the underground, who don't want to abide by this, you know, perfect, you know... Uh, the scraps. The, this perfect world. They're called the scraps. Yeah. So, I mean, you... Again, they don't want to abide by it. They want to, like, live how they are. They want to drink. They want to, like, go out and cuss and Why cause havoc. Why they have, like, moved out into, like, Why do they a, have to still be in San wilderness Los Angeles? Area? Why do they have to live underneath the city? Which apparently is, like, a forgotten area, but still holds true to pipeworks and everything that still needs to be managed yeah, not, for the city to be working. Not to mention they all are dressed like uh, they came off the set of Road Warrior or they, uh, <laughs> Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. Like That that, that does and they're, anger me a And they're bit. one lady cooking the rat burgers. She looks like Frida. A rata? A rata? Oh, one cervezas. How are you going to How are you going to be? She hands her a Rolex and she's all like, oh yes, oh Rolex. But so the Rolex pays for one beer. The, yes, you, one you beer and a Rolex. He's got a six pack and like like a like a a a, a sack of rat burgers and some rat snossages, some rawsages. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's a Rolex. So the scraps are basically not acknowledged by society because they want to be forgotten. 
as, uh, you know, future Otho does say, he's like, this is a problem that will soon be dealt with and completely forgotten. Yes. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Foreshadowing. They want to be done with the scraps. So, you know, Simon scraps Phoenix just is... just want to live free! They want to live free. Simon Phoenix is unearthed, essentially, to take down Mr. Friendly and uh, do away with the scraps. He's uh, he's he's the hands to uh, get dirty for Dr. Cocktail. Right. So, but uh, Simon Phoenix is realizing soon that after he raids the armory exhibit at the museum, that he can't kill Dr. Cocteau. Dr. Cocteau has taken the precaution to basically put inhibitors in him so he can't do damage to him specifically. I like the couple of scenes where he's he's with Simon Phoenix and Simon Phoenix, like he, he points the gun at him. He's like, he like tries to like psych himself up like, I can shoot him this time. I can really do it. I can really shoot him. I can oh, shoot. damn. Can't, can't do it. Can't. Why? Why? So I love the museum scene because... He can't get a gun anywhere, and they already established that the only guns are really on display in the Hall of Violence. It's like a video game. Like, they go into this, he goes into this uh, museum. Now, any museum I've ever been to that features firearms, like, it doesn't also feature large stocks of ammunition to go with these firearms. But this is a piece of history, Jack. This is something that they are all acknowledging. (laughs) This really bothers me, Drew, because... In this era, guns and the ammunition is a finite resource, but they are like face-off shooting and not hitting anything the entire movie they after waste they get the guns. And they so many bullets. Do you realize that the only person who, okay, two people, two people are actually shot in this movie. You Dr. have Dr. Cocteau. Dr. Cocteau and the one scrapper. Yeah. That's it. Out of like easily thousands. Yeah, like. Probably a thousand bullets are fired. And in phaser photon energy round. <laughs> that is powered up. And they... So Wesley Snipes goes into the uh, the Hall of Violence in order to check out some of the armory that is being left out there. You are now entering the armory exhibit. You will- and he comes across uh, one of the patrons as he tries to break into the exhibit getting a gun. And the guy's like... Hello, what seems patron. to be your boggle? What seems to be your boggle? It's like, my boggle? My boggle? My boggle. How much do you weigh? I gotta give Wesley Snipes, like, he he's not the best of actors, but he plays this part damn well. He I does. Think. It's it's a craziness that he kind of, like, draws upon that is... Uh, All the range of emotions. Right. And you don't get tired of it. Mm-hmm. You almost get tired of his, like, again, the cheesy one-liners that are throughout is mainly the fight scenes. You know, where he's shooting at John Spartan. He's all like, Simon says, die. Simon says, go away. So he eventually gets weapons out of the Hall of Violence while coming across John Spartan. They have a great fight. They have a great fight scene where he's all like, who's that voice? Spartan? That you? Man, they let anybody into this century. thought you had to get my piddly ass. (laughs) Podcast host Jack Just, you are fine. One more holiday. (laughs) But uh, like one of my one of my favorite lines is when they you know they have an exhibit in the museum of like old Los Angeles before the big earthquake of, of 2010 that supposedly you know, the big killed one. killed ever killed lots of people. Uh, but the earthquake, the, you know, the, there's a car down there. There's apparently a fire hydrant, that a fire hydrant that's still presence. connected to a water main. But then he, uh, John Spartan gets knocked behind the car, and there's just a a, a small television there that. 
that John Spartan grabs and starts whipping at Wesley Snipes going, Like a eh. ball and chain. Yeah, you're on TV. It's it's the... He's just, but he doesn't hit him with it just once. No. He's like using this TV as like a morning star. I, <laughs> I almost wanted to see like the brand of the television that he's hitting him with is all like, is that a Zenith? I haven't seen a Zenith. Samsung. Wow, that's that's good craftsmanship. That stayed together. Didn't crack once. But it's what the movie is. It's 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 a satire on all of the 80s action films that came before it where it's so cliche. Like, they fall down. They're in this scene where they're going to fight each other. Yet when they fall, one, one uh, Simon Phoenix hits the car. When John Spartan falls through the glass and he goes down there, he's perfectly in cover. Mm. Or when uh, John Spartan puts his shock baton in the water, and he uh, shocks, it, it shocks Wesley Snipes, it it just helps Wesley Snipes vault like shock thrown out of the water onto the car where his weapon conveniently where his weapon is conveniently is, is and, he, and he shakes it off. He's like, "Ooh, ooh, that hurts." <laughs> <laughs> so this movie was uh, released in I think it was October of 1993. Uh, another maligned movie that is a favorite of mine was uh released the previous summer which was arnold schwarzenegger's last action hero don't even think it's later you hear me you're gonna sit and wait for the real hostage negotiator god damn it jack i'm talking myself clear i'm just doing my job which lampoons and sort of makes fun of the entire action hero genre and then demolition man comes around you know three or four months later and just sort of confirms all of these tropes that they have uh, set out in that movie as, as things that are sort of present in a lot of the late 80s uh 90s action films they eventually get down to business and they they track him down john spartan is kind of realizing that there was something wrong when Simon Phoenix didn't kill Dr. Cocteau. When but he, he meets Dr. Cocteau and he gets invited to have dinner with Dr. <coughs> Cocteau at Taco at Bell. At Taco Bell. So in the film, oh God, it's so, so funny. I wonder how much they actually Yeah, I wonder what the product paid. placement was. I wonder what they eventually paid for it. Because they went around to several restaurants to try and ask, like, hey, can we put you in this movie? And Taco Bell was the only one that said, like, oh, yeah, we don't mind being a part of it. We don't mind, you know, like, you plastering our name everywhere. So in this futuristic society, they they had the franchise wars, and the franchise wars <coughs> were won by Taco Bell. Were won by Taco Bell. So now, so what's with this cocktail guy anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did, and my reward is dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. I mean, hey, I like Mexican food, but come on. Your tone is quasi facetious, but you do not realize that Taco Bell was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So. So, now all restaurants are Taco Bell. No way. Fine dining, Taco Bell. Fast food, Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. Late night snack, Taco Bell. Family dinner, Taco Bell. <sighs> mm. You know what, Drew? <coughs> I may have to go have some Taco Bell after we're done <laughs> recording this. <laughs> the, uh, the international version, since Taco Bell actually wasn't available everywhere, the uh pizza hut it was pizza hut it was so more recognizable you, to the international ex audience exactly so if you watch certain versions of this it's dubbed over she's uh, sandra bullock is clearly saying pizza hut but she's mouthing taco bell so it's mm -hmm. it's interesting to watch and I, they also had to like you know recreate certain scenes and add the pizza hut logo well you, 
if it was Pizza Hut in the international scenes, like the waiters have like the over embellished like so they mariachi. To, so they had to recreate new <laughs> outfits as well, probably oh, then, God. because Taco Bell was actually behind also designing the outfits that the uh, the waiters were wearing. Mm. So obviously, you know, they had they had a little bit of a hand in it. Thank God it wasn't like McDonald's or oh God, could you imagine? Oh. <laughs> like you you may join me at McDonald's. Mm. Could you imagine? Because when they presented with a plate, it's this like Art Deco piece that had one single tortilla chip with different small, different little smearings of of sauce. He's like, "Oh well, thank God I was hungry." And I mean, I I kind of want to eat that plate. I cannot imagine what you know McDonald's would be putting out, like a cornucopia kind of like mini miniature little soy burger with with fries and whatnot with a. A like a vegan mac sauce or something. Maybe, maybe instead of a uh, like they would have like the deconstructed burger. Mm. And instead of pickles, it might be like a uh, a refined relish. Yeah, I, I could think see I that. think we have to like recreate some of this food. I'm always a big fan of it. I always wanted to to eat whatever the food they were food fighting with in Hook. Uh, like I, oh. I I always have a thing about watching movies and and the stuff they're eating, especially some of like the uh, um like was it. Uh, the Japanese anime, uh, Spirited Away. Oh, yeah. Like, some of the food in, in some of, of uh, was it Mizaki? Miyazaki? Miyazaki. Miyazaki. His anime is like, I always uh, The uh, Japanese I, Disney. I, I want that food. Oh, wouldn't you? It looks great. I want that happy ramen that was like a smiling egg before it got plopped in. Now, are you talking about, like, the food that's actually, like, in the resort? Or, like, all the stalls when the parents turn to pigs? All of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. So I, I really wanted to try like a couple of chips of, of the futuristic taco. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Mm. Simon Phoenix goes on another rampage and basically it's now John Spartan again getting even more serious, but kind of realizing that he cannot find Simon Phoenix because Simon Phoenix has now listened to Dr. Cocteau and he's like, isn't there a Don't message? Don't you have someone to, to kill? kill? Isn't there a message going through that primitive brain of yours? Friendly? Edgar friendly, go kill him. So he finds that out after dinner, after also quelling a food riot uh, led right. by Edgar Friendly, where and all John Spartan realizes that uh, this perfect society is not so perfect, and and he regrets sort of hurting these people because they were just one guy even said food. he's like, please no, and he runs away and he drops the food that he was carrying. Yeah, but this is after the scene where he's fighting guys that are dressed in armor made out of discarded tire treads using like maces that are constructed out of like the fan blades of an old engine. Like this is the stuff that kind of pisses me off. Road warrior movie. style. Actually, like the scraps could have been something different, but they oh, they just right. sort of ripped the road warrior right the hell off. If they made them John's even, if they made them even like uh, what more like malnourished. Almost leper-like, maybe right. like you know, dirty cloaks or like the Morlocks coming out from you know yes, underground. Exactly, exactly, something like that. Because I mean, then they would seem like, oh, they're not part of our perfect world. They're yeah. deformed, and they don't like them. They'd have greasy hair and acne, so they, the people would think they were because diseased, they're down underground like, with yeah. sewage and you know, they'd be hot pasty steam. white. Yeah. Right? I don't know. One of the guys he actually fights is the guy he says he's all like, "You're gonna regret this." All two seconds oh, of it. Oh, God. You're going re- to regret this for the rest of your life. All two seconds of it. He doesn't kill him. He, just he doesn't kill him. him he knocks face. him out. <laughs> that guy he's actually fighting is his trainer. Oh, really? It was his, it was his personal trainer who got a part in the movie. Which brings <laughs> us to the next scene. Uh, Love, 
Sweet love. Sweet love. But before the sweet love, when he can't find Simon Phoenix, it's one of those parts where he he's going down into the sewer. Biscuits and gravy. And he's, he opens the sewer grate and he takes a whiff and he's like, mmm, love that smell. Reminds me of biscuits and gravy. What biscuits and gravy are you eating? I love I make a damn good pan of biscuits and gravy. I had your biscuits and gravy. I don't know if I have. I've had plenty of your cooking, and it's every single time. So I, I like to start out, I, I, I caramelize a little bit of an onion, and I dice up a little jalapeno, and mm. I build the gravy on top of that. You get mm. a little spice. It's delicious. We're going we're gonna to take a short break. This so Jack can make cooking me biscuits and gravy. with Jack. Be <laughs> well. Be well. But now, on to sex. <laughs> <laughs> Not the tr- not the fluid transfer, you <laughs> sick bastard. You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality. Podcast host Jack Just, you are violating one morality statute, a half credit. Not even mouth fluid transfers. That is completely outlawed. Uh, uh, not even kissing? Uh, damn, I was a good kisser. I apologize for my semester <laughs> <Yeah>. solo. <laughs> So, sex in this society, one, you have to have a license, not only to have kids, which personally might not be a bad thing in some cases in yeah, our I agree. world today. I agree. Honestly. But they basically people, turn sex into no. like a uh, cyberine with a bonus. It's it's called ver, like, what, what does she say? Ver sex or ver coupling. Yeah. So, they both wear these helmets, like headgear that they put on. Which mentally connects them. Mm-hmm. And it likes their, it, it, it takes them to a place where it, it seems both like a techno rave. But she comes out with this, she puts on a uh, love, love boat, boat, which, which, uh, and I, she puts on a, like this silk kind of like kimono ish robe. She comes out with this large silver chest and, you know, puts these headsets on and then sort of nonchalantly throws Sylvester Stallone a cum towel. Like, here, you'll need this. And he's like, what? 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 Like, I don't, I don't understand. Because he was really excited. He's been frozen for 32 years. He, like, and she's checks all, like, his breath and right. like, flexing like, a little bit. John Spartan, I understand that there is a, uh, a direct connection between violence and sex. And I would like to ask you and be so forward uh, if you would like to have sex. He's uh, like, with you? With now? You? Right yes. Sure. <laughs> Which didn't take him long. You know, didn't take him long. Not only has he realized yeah, my that wife his, is dead. his wife is dead. Yeah, might as well. He's all like, oh, she died. Okay, six now. They're the big one, huh? I'll show They're you the big, the big one. one. <laughs> I'll give you the quick. Oh, God. The hunk of chunk So the sex is basically limited to them imagining, like, just going at it like animals in this, again, techno rave multicolored through like stained glass looking imagery but they keep on focusing on sylvester stallone's face they while he's going into it like nobody wants to well, watch sylvester stallone hit his vinegar strokes here like <laughs> no, they they hardly show sandra bullocks it's just him like eh? right because for her obviously she's done this before so it's not it's not new to her who could it be who could it be i just can't imagine who could it be Satan? You want cyber slut. You want cyber slut. You want the experience through John Spartan because he's so new to it all. So in <laughs> him, he keeps closing his eye. Apparently, it doesn't work unless you close your eyes 
and it just, you know, I guess, lay back and enjoy it. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close <laughs> so he keeps closing his eyes, and that's when you're seeing, like, her face, like, you know, puckering and kissing and smiling There's and then like, laying like, back. like, like dance, strobe light, strobe house light music in the background. Which leads us to one of, t- not even one. So for the R rating for this film, you see one set of, uh. The of, Sandy B. Nip slip. Of, of boobs. But then you also see a single boob in the VR sex trip, which. There's no there's no way of even telling that it was like Sandra Bullock's boob, which but is it's like why half, this again, was designed for thirteen year old kids <laughs> while having kids a sleepover, eating pizza, is. like faces covered in wings. So I was like, oh, oh, oh rewind it <laughs> again. Much like you had to go frame by frame for Jack Black's face, you have to go frame by frame to make <laughs> sure that you're oh, seeing oh, oh, oh. a single boob. And this would have been VHS, so you know you have to put the tracking <laughs> on and then put it on slow. I've never done this before. I'm just. Yeah, I've done research. So he he like he like takes off the helmet. And she's like, "What happened? You broke connection." Like, I'm not done yet. So apparently, I don't even know what this is. I don't know. He's like, "What is this?" And she's like, "This is sex." He's like, "This isn't sex." And she's like, "Why don't we do it the old fashioned way?" She's like, "Ew, you mean fluid transfer?" <laughs> He's like, "First, sex has been proven to produce higher orders of alpha waves during digitized transference of sexual energy." All right, obviously, what do you say we just do it the old fashioned way? Ew, disgusting. You mean fluid transfer? I mean bony, the, the wild mambo, the, the hunk of chunk. That is no longer done. The, ex- the hanky panky, the sideways mambo, the hunk of chunk. <laughs> Which, all right, it sounds it sounds kind of dirty, but I have never heard. In real life or in other movies, the hunka chunka used as a euphemism for uh, I can th- fluid I can think transfer. Of plenty of euphemisms for sex, and that's definitely not going to be one. Of- <laughs> the the hunka chunka sounds like a seasonal ice cream flavor from <laughs> Ben and Jerry's. It's like, oh, oh, is it February? Well, the hunka chunka's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so she's disgusted at the idea of like actual sex and. God, now I pity this society. And even kissing. And even kissing. Even kissing? That was a great kiss. That was a great kiss. Which, oh my god. Okay, so no no actual sex. No form of, like, intimacy that's actually touching. Which, damn. God, I mean, too bad for this society, I guess. Which leads us to a very direct uh, change in all this where he goes back to his room after getting... No, 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 no. Hold on. I want to cut in right there. It's almost too pertinent for like today's society and recent events that have actually happened where he he's going up to her and he's all saying like, well, I was a bad. No, I was a good kisser. And he like leans into her and she like goes back and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, breaking the law. (laughs) He's going to go in and kiss her. And she's like, that is not consent. That is not consent. I I, watching it again last night and like him going in for the kiss and she's like, you know, breaking the law. I'm thinking to myself. Oh my gosh, it's so poignant for today. Yeah, and exactly. And then she she bids him farewell to get out of her perfectly 90s- I bid you good day, sir. <laughs> get out of my apartment. My perfectly 90s-style apartment. I think she points, doesn't look at she him, does. and she stomps points. on the ground at one point. I want you out. But I have muffins in the oven. Go home! Go home! Go home! <laughs> I don't have to take this. I'm going home. But so he, he, he goes, goes back, back to, to his, his apartment. He he puts in the the like the data little mini laser disc that uh, he got from her, which that he, he requested. Yeah, which he sees that Simon Phoenix does not shoot Doctor Cocteau. And in the while face. that's loading up, like he gets a video phone call from a very busty, very fit, very naked woman 
who's on the screen for a couple a, seconds. A Playboy Bunny back in 1993. I I believe it. Right. But again, this so is random. a movie made for 13 year old boys during the sleepovers. This is to have that. This is not that nudity two, that two has seconds any, of uh, of like full frontal nudity. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so weird because I guess she's calling some guy and she's like, you know, Martin, I was thinking, oh, I'm sorry. But it's so out of Wrong character call. for the entire setting the, the of society. the movie. Like, there's a lot of modesty going on. There's no right. physical uh, touching. Everybody has clothes that are, like, completely covered. Mm-hmm. Even normal citizens have these, like, full coverage in gowns and kimonos, which I guess in this future, the ozone layer has depleted so much. That they need full coverage in order to go outside. Yeah, but it'd be like me FaceTiming you and you're like, Jack, and oh, sorry, Drew. Oh, <laughs> I just sorry. got out of the shower. <laughs> I just had to call and tell you. I had you. a hunk of chunker earlier sorry. and I had to clean let me, up. Let me dry off. Let me put you down on the ground right there. Oh, no! <laughs> Wait, I thought we did horror movies last I week. Do- <laughs> I don't need the upstairs! <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by the Morality Statute. <laughs> and Taco Bell. And Taco Bell. Home of the meats. <laughs> Arby's. Yeah, I know. We have the meats. So, Dr. Cocteau was eventually finished off <laughs> by Simon Phoenix, who, he has him raise and unthaw, like, more criminals. We need five or six. We need five or six guys. None of those New Yorkers. They're too uptight. And Dr. Cocteau apparently doesn't take the precaution to instill the inhibitors that he put in Simon Phoenix. So he passes the gun to Jesse Ventura. Future governor. Future Jesse, governor Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. And Jesse Ventura shoots Dr. Cocteau. Which Jesse Ventura was supposed to have a much larger part. There was supposed to be a, uh, a one-on-one fight scene between him and John Spartan. Uh, because Jesse Ventura was in possession of the key that John Spartan needed to get into, to get into the, the inner sanctum prison. of the cryo, cryo, cryo prison. Which they showed John Spartan just sort of suddenly has it in his possession when he gets to the crowd prison. Uh, but there was supposed to be an entire, like, death match. Which, you know, Jesse Ventura, I remember from Predator, and I recognize him now, and it seems like he was sort of underutilized in that movie. Right. It, it was a, it's an interesting set of, uh, of editing that went into it. And now Dr. Cocteau is gone. Uh, Simon Phoenix basically decides with uh, his, the his help League of, of Evil. His League of Evil. <laughs> and uh, the help from uh, future Otho. Mm-hmm. I love his I love his line after he kills Do- or Dr. Cocteau is killed. He goes over to future Otho and he says, now, what are we going to do with you? I am an excellent associate, sir. I'm an excellent associate, sir. I would love to stay on during your administration. He's he is the perfect role of um, Viserys, like the spider in comparison to Game of Thrones, but more importantly... Well, Drew, it's a good thing you brought that up, because there was... Unfortunately, there was a novelization of this movie. I I don't know who would have bought a novelization of this movie, but there was one nonetheless. And it was revealed in this novelization that Otho was castrated by Dr. Cocteau to curb his ambition. So there definitely is a uh, a Varus connection involved. That's a huge connection! Oh my gosh. I apologize, guys. I'm getting over a a cough thing. So if I keep coughing, I I dreadfully apologize. Drew Hallam, you've been fined one half credit for the verbal sickness clause. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So not only does he now have a much bigger League of Evil on the way, they obtain a car from the scraps down below. And this is... After getting ambushed. After getting ambushed. And Jack Black's cameo. And Jack Black's 
one frame cameo. And Dennis they Leary's... Get, they get an Oldsmobile. Dennis Leary rant. Right, the Dennis Leary rant. Basically like, I'm going to do what I want, when I want. I don't want to be part of this society because yeah. this society... You, you know should what have had his right is? arm curled around his head and, and, and angrily... <laughs> Puffing his cigarette during How did, this. He described this. He described Cocteau society as like a 47 year old virgin living in his mother's basement drinking a broccoli smoothie. Yeah. Which is banana and broccoli. Banana and broccoli smoothie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I guess it's pretty apt. <laughs> They're living in squalor down there. They're almost starving to death, but they've got rat burgers and apparently cherry vintage cars. Cherry. The car that had to be. Uh, I don't understand. Everything else is like rusted and dirty but this car they're wearing tires for god's sake is pristine it's a it's a beautiful old uh oldsmobile it's and detroit engineer it's detroit right. engineer we're gonna go <laughs> <laughs> and then he okay and one more time it, it's almost like a drinking game to play with this movie where every single time john spartan screams phoenix you have to take a drink it's not a good Sylvester Stallone action movie, unless there's a minimum of five Sylvester Stallone screams during screams as he's running away from the explosion. Phoenix! <laughs> or uh, one of my favorite very 90s movie tropes is when they're in the, the cryo prison during the showdown at the end, and he leaps out behind cover and does the sideways double handgun. <laughs> Kind of like, like in, in hot real fuzz. life, if somebody did that, they just get shot immediately. <laughs> right. But then again, this is Demolition Man. Nobody gets shot. Nobody gets shot. Only two people get shot. Yeah. And so, I mean, again, upon a thousand bullets being wasted, a very finite resource. But apparently they also have them well stockpiled in the museum. So they go back to the cryo prison. Is it hold on, is it like a bad video game where like they keep going back to the museum to like re-up on ammo? Like there's just piles is of ammo the sitting point? there. Because <laughs> they don't take enough ammo with them for this entire movie. It's like, oh, well, we should go kill Edgar Friendly now, but we got to hit the museum again and, uh, and the kill respawn, off some spawns. It, it should have spawned back up. <laughs> and, and re-up the ammo. You know, that that's actually a really good point to point it out. They go back to the cryo prison because now he's, he's there trying to get as many people as possible. And uh, what they... After a bar- this is, bad car chase scene. After the bad car chase scene, after Sandra Bullock is knocked out, and he magically gets the uh, the key. And she gets to display her amazing fighting skills that she learned from a Jackie Chan <laughs> Jackie movies. Chan movies. All she... He kept saying, like, those are some good kicks. Where did you learn them? I mean, all, all well, she there, did... There she repeatedly... Like, like half-moon crescent kicks. Like, she's... She's but also, like, five crotch shots that she kept kicking him in the balls. I don't remember those Jackie Chan movies. I, I don't... Not her, even in Drunken her learning Master. learning how to fight from Jackie Chan movies is like me being in the third grade and saying that I'm going to kick your ass because I've watched a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's a horrible meme that it only reminds me of where the kid is like, stay back. I have the power of God and anime on my side. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> See, I would have been like, by the power of Grayskull, and then I get clocked in the I face. And then I'm out. In, in, the, in the moments that you have the clock. <laughs> Get him, he's monologuing. <laughs> Kick him while he's down. They go back to the cryo prison. They stop him from unleashing the uh, the Jeffrey frozen, Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, all the other frozen inmates, which is almost very reminiscent of uh, a later film, Judge Dredd, when... 
They're back in a, a science facility. They have to make the clones, and they have to defeat not only the clones, uh, and also you know, and also Judge Dredd, Helsing, where they Stallone. have to they have to kill kill him before he unleashes the the vampire eggs on right on the town. Like those cryo prisoners, them some vampires, them some vampires. But this is also again more moments of bad one liners. The idea that bad fight choreography. Bad fight choreography. Like he yeah. gets them in like the the mechanical pincers that they use to remove the round frozen blocks with, and he has them trapped. Like just kill him. He picks them up and he he's, says, "How's he, it? Ha- how's it hanging?" He's playing like an arcade game with him, where he's like pushing him around, and he's like, like a claw machine clips at him. And but he says, never oh, him. "How about we play a little target practice?" And he's just just no. unloading a clip. He's doing puns, and he's like, "How's it hanging? <laughs> Familiar with the long arm of the law? Like it's Lord. so bad." To which he misses him again with every single bullet, and he's less than fifteen feet away. And this this claw contraption is powered by apparently liquid nitrogen, liquid nitrogen, which he uses to freeze one of the arms so much, so he can break that it he can break it open or break it off, and he can you know free himself. <laughs> and then Simon Phoenix ass acts like he's surprised, like well, you've been toying with him for like thirty seconds. Like, if you had shot him the first time, you had him in front. He's of about you. to shoot him again, and that's when it breaks off. And he looks up, and he's like, "Well, I'll be goddamned." And then. The last fights. It is water. Like water is spraying everywhere in the facility because, you know, different hoses have been broken off and it's tanks of liquid nitrogen are blowing up in flames in the background. And Simon Phoenix, he he has this raw, this metal pole and he's about to stab it through John Spartan. He's like, this is the best day of my life. And at this point, John Spartan has taken the another rod with the, the cryo ball, the cryo freeze ball, which is reminiscent of uh, Kurt Vonnegut's novel, The Cat's Cradle. Mm-hmm. Uh, in there, it was actually something called uh, it was ice, sea crystal, ice nine. Yeah. And so he smashes it to the ground. But he, he missed the best chance for a one liner. He could have been like he could have smashed it into the ground. I'd be like, like. Chill out. Chill out. Freeze. He would steal, cool off. He would steal every single one of <laughs> Your iced President Schwarzenegger's lines. Like for Mr. Freeze. For Mr. Freeze. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. In the movie, guys, apparently at this point in time in 1993, President Schwarzenegger uh, had made it to uh, San Angeles in 2032. Yeah. 2030, 2030, yeah, 2032 to uh, become... President Schwarzenegger, and he all he has his own President Schwarzenegger's library. Mm-hmm. Could have happened. Could have happened in real life. It, so yeah, things things he would he could have stolen uh, Schwarzenegger's uh, cheesy lines from being Mister Freeze. So he he the cryo ball is released because uh, Simon Phoenix is covered in moisture. Uh, it instantly starts to freeze him. John Spartan amazingly is able to leap up out of the way uh, and out of the puddles of moisture by grabbing onto the uh, the robotic arm that is still spinning. Uh-huh. Because Simon Phoenix lost control of the remote. And comes back around and kicks frozen Simon Phoenix. So now Simon frozen Phoenix Simon Phoenix, Phoenix completely frozen, except for his, like, bleach-dyed hair, which uh, inspired, uh, you know, Dennis Rodman mm-hmm. to change his hair mm-hmm. color. And Bad uh, as I want to be. What does he say? He says, Bad heads up. Heads up. But, I mean, 
it's a throwback to one of the first lines Phoenix had in the movie, which was, uh, I'd lose my head if it wasn't attached. And John Spartans is, oh, keep, keep that, that in mind. mind. And he kicks his head off. Another good line that should have happened was when he, he leaves and like, did you apprehend Simon Phoenix? He could have said like, he died of brain grease. But no, that, <laughs> that, that, that never happened. That, that just happened in my head. And uh, you all get to participate in that now. John Spartan, you Neanderthal, you're as cold as ice. <laughs> and then he puts on his shades and then it shoots directly to the intro of CSI Miami. Yeah, because all... Some of the guests heard it. Shot in the light of day in a house filled with people? That's cold-blooded, Horatio. It's as cold as ice. <laughs> Police officers in LAPD wear wear berets and go diving he, out of helicopters with he just a nine beret? millimeter. No, like if you can did, rustle did up they, a Chinook helicopter, you can get some assault weapons. You don't have to go diving off the helicopter with just a handgun and screaming Phoenix. Phoenix! <laughs> so they got permission uh, from the city to blow up that entire building. And it was it was an MTV tie-in at the time where MTV had a competition. You could enter it and you could win the right to press the button that blew up the school air quotes. That How they, cool would that have been to be the person to like, you know, strut around the schoolyard? Be like, how was your weekend? Oh, I went to my mom's. You? Um, I, we, we went to the park and played catch. How about you? I blew up a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember watching that and thinking like, like yeah. Mom, can we go see Demolition Man? No, it's rated R. Fine, I'll just rent it from Blockbuster when you're not paying attention. Uh, that happened a lot. I bet it did. Pulp Fiction? Uh, she wasn't paying attention to what was in the uh, stack of rentals. <laughs> Pulp Fiction, is this a comic book movie? Yes, of course I remember there. trying to like sneak in certain movies to like the stack when we were renting stuff from Blockbuster or Video City, if you want to go back even a little bit. Hollywood further. Video in my part oh, of town. Hollywood Video. And... I remember my parents, like, a couple of times, some things, I guess, I, I remember a few things got through, but most of the time they would look at the videos and be all like, yep, yeah, okay, what's this? Did you put this here? What, what, Can I get it? What category, or uh, what What part of the store did you get this from, Jack? The super action part? No, you're going to put that you're back. You're going to put that back. I went to the room and it had lots of hanging beads and you walked into it. <laughs> It was still blockbuster video, but Super Action was all of the titles had some sort of bikini or busty clad woman that was like hard kills or or Barbarella, yeah, <laughs> Pamela Anderson, Barbarella, yeah, or wasn't no wait Barbarella was uh, wait, Barbara? barbed, barbed wire was Pamela Anderson That's Barbarella it. was uh, uh, the sixties seventies minx uh, Fonda Jane Fonda. Okay. And like her ice, What was the one where Pamela Anderson was like a, was barbed like a, wire. a pop? Okay, so I, okay, I was happy. Right. She, she even got the tattoo of it on her arm, and I think she got it taken off <laughs> years later. She got that tattoo. not like I know a lot about Pamela what, Anderson. Hep Shut up, C. Odd. <laughs> <laughs> so they eventually, uh, you know, have we to, have a have resolution. To, you have the resolution. You have to wrap it up. You have not only Edgar Friendly coming terms with the uh, chief of police, basically, what are we going to do? How will we survive? Well, you know, you, you're going to get a little dirty and you're going to get very, very clean. 
And this is another part of the movie where things could have been different, like the Jesse Ventura fight scene is standing next to Edgar Friendly in this scene is a, a young woman who is actually John Spartan's daughter. Which was part of an original script, and he was which supposed was, to... She was completely cut out of the He was movie. supposed to reconnect with her. During the uh, the um, ambush scene in the the under underworld area, uh, he pr- you can see John Spartan protecting a woman. She's like her in the saving corner. her life, yeah. And, and that, again, that's his daughter, and... Uh, so, yeah, it could have been a little bit of a different movie. Uh, Laura Petty taking over for Sandra Bullock. Uh, Steven Seagal as uh, John Spartan or uh, as Van Damme. Wanted. No, no, Steven Seagal was supposed to be uh, Dr. Jean, or sorry, Raymond Cocteau. Really? Yeah. He was well, supposed the hell, to be. Well, that I would like to see he's that. Supposed I thought he was going to be the Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed to be John Spartan. Who was going to be Simon Phoenix then? Was there a Simon? Oh, wait, sorry. My apologies. Steven Seagal was supposed to be Simon Phoenix. See, Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed, was supposed to be, to be John, Spartan. J- uh, John Spartan. And then they both said no because no one wanted to play a villain because they hadn't decided on who was going to play the role yet. And eventually, even for Simon Phoenix, it was supposed to be Jackie Chan, which yeah. would have messed up all of her lines about learning how to, like, kick. They would yeah, have to rewrite that. But Jackie Chan didn't want to play a villain because it would have sort of ruined his persona right. of always being the good guy. I think and sort of comedic. He's never actually... No, he's never played a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean... That's why he turned it down. Yeah. Okay. So they sort of threw him that reference as a bone. Mm. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the other parts that was left out of the original script is that Sandra Bullock's character of Lenina Huxley was also supposed to be his daughter. Which would have been that would have been creepy and uh, a bit uh, definitely a change to the script and the original rewrite. But uh, you know, shall we do our uh, our segments? I think so. What were you thinking? Well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. And you've got to cut it out. All right, guys. So with cut it out, we always try to find something that can be taken out of the film without detracting from really any of the overall story if anything can be taken out it doesn't change anything it still keeps it to be a good movie and uh this is what we came up with jack what do you have for a cut it out i've got a couple but i i honestly i have to go back to the sex scene okay we're 100 percent in agreement then yeah it's it's um it's unnecessary it's bad and again nobody really wants to see Sylvester Stallone holding his cum down, cum towel, and and his vinegar strokes face. What's wrong? He broke contact. Cut contact? I didn't touch you yet. But I, I thought you wanted to make love. Is that what you call this? The hey, I'm not saying this. This is in the movie. No, I know it's. In I'm the just movie, verbalizing this. The weirdness of it. It doesn't apply to anything. I mean, the only thing else that you could say would be a contender for a cut it out would be. The random naked Playboy model for two seconds on the vid screen. Well, you got to give those twelve-year-old boys something. You got to give twelve-year-old boys something. <laughs> but no, I agree. I think I think the virtual reality sex, it it's so weird. It's almost like that. It, it's the cherry on top of this perfect utopian society that you don't need. Like you didn't ask for it. it I mean, it's almost like you're getting your drink at Starbucks and you're like, I didn't want whipped cream. Or if they had played the Three Seashells game with it, and they alluded to it, and you saw maybe a, a minute or two, or like a second or two, and you you had the ambiguity, and you're, well, what the, what the heck was that going on? Right. Left it up to your own imagination, rather than what it ended up being. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit too much. I think it's just, it's so, yeah, it's not necessary. No, exactly. I, I, I think in contrast to, like, the one thing to cut it out, one thing to 
definitely keep as like one of the best scenes in the entire film. It's it's got to be the fight in the armory. I again, we are in one hundred percent agreement with this. It's it's just one of the best '90s action fights. The banter, uh, the setting, the set pieces. Uh, it's great. It's it's great. They go from the future into the past. Uh, they're using you know old shotguns and, and phaser rifles and whipping somebody with a television still attached to its cord. <laughs> The television flail. Mm-hmm. You're on TV. You're on TV. <laughs> I, I mean, it. That fight was was a heck of a lot more satisfying than the uh, the fight at the end, uh, which oh, was so the fight of, at the end was uh, Simon too... Phoenix toying with them, and then they fight for two seconds, and then uh, you get brain freeze. The and and the thing is, like they they focused so much on the cryo prison because it's the most consistent place that they're actually at throughout the film itself because. It it cost the most money. It cost the most money, so they had to make it worthwhile that they were filming there so much. Yeah. So you know there might be the uh, the discrepancy in the budget. <laughs> well, Drew, you could definitely say that again. That's a beautiful segue. Oh my goodness, that's the most badass thing I've ever heard. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You can say that again. So guys, with uh, you can say that again. We always look for any movie, best lines, worst lines. It's the things that we always remember. And sometimes even the worst lines can be ones that last forever. Especially in a movie <laughs> like Especially this. Especially in a movie You're like this. You're not going to find any golden lines in this movie. You're just going to find a lot of bad lines. I think some of them lines. are like top notch and almost even coming from like the the underrated characters, especially mine. One of my favorite lines is coming from Rob Schneider when he's watching the display screen at the police station and all you hear him say, he's like, we're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. I'm thinking like, oh, it's so funny because it's exactly what you are. And especially watching it in today's world it's, and you're all like, based on whatever scenarios, it's it's super funny to- It's definitely controversial. It's it's controversial and it's contrasting it between because the Because Rodney two. King wasn't- too oh, too long after no. that. So yeah, it, it, there's definitely parallels to that. Definitely to that. Um, my favorite line. It always gives me a giggle. Every like I've seen this movie many times. It's, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, but it's it's when they're talking about the uh, all the citizens are coded. They've got a biometric chip that's implanted into them, which uh, the the old pilot friend of John Spartans refers to it as uh, low jacking the citizens mm. and uh he's like oh caveman we had you chipped before you even thawed out blah 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 Waiting for unfortunately simon phoenix was not coded while you were sleeping everyone in the city was installed code it was a brilliant idea by dr cocteau that an organically bioengineered microchip be sewn into the skin Sensors all over the city can zero in on anyone at any time. I can't even conceive a visual of what you police officers did before it was developed. We work for a living. This fascist crap makes me want to puke. What do you think you're scratching, caveman? You really think we'd let you go without control? Your code was implanted the second you thawed. Why didn't you just shove a leash up my ass? <laughs> that is, uh, that is one of my favorite lines. I I also really love when he is uh it's 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 more entertaining when it, and we already discussed it when he's standing next to the uh the violation dispenser for paper and he keeps he keeps just like cursing at it 
as he's printing out the paper <laughs> left to right. I watched it with closed caption, and it was actually pretty entertaining. He literally, he says, he says duck fucking. <laughs> I know that. Thanks a lot, you shit brain. So much for the seashells. But again, which I know for a fact, if I'm ever texting and I just like slap in, you know, an f bomb into a text message, it autocorrects to ducking, and I'm like, how many times have I said ducking? Phone, stop it. Well, again, this is not Demolition Man. This is Swamp Ass with John Spartan because <laughs> <laughs> he never learned how to use the three seashells. <laughs> oh, God, the three seashells. Um, was that your worst? That was uh, that was not my worst. Honorable what am I mention? Uh, that's like an honorable mention. Um. Do you have an honorable mention? Um, honorable mention would be uh, we already went through the hunk of chunka, uh, <laughs> but it's it's when uh, he's John Spartan's in a runaway car. It's going to crash and it's flying up in the air, and he's like, "Break!" I just like how he calls it a Mickey Mouse piece of shit. I don't think I've ever it's, heard that. Before. It's weird after he crashes because the car inflates with what she calls like safety foam. Mm -hmm. But apparently everything that happened not only on the freeway or when it like became airborne, it's only when it crashed in the fountain. Nothing previous warranted the fact that the uh, safety foam to be engaged. But I mean, I I, also, I hated the fact that she had to explain what safety foam was. She's like, this was safety foam and it, and it saved your life. I mean, that's just that's a that's a stupid thing to have in the movie as well. But it, it it almost comes down to like the cheesiest of redundancies for the worst line for me when at the very end he repeats the line for the beginning of the movie. And he does the whole like, is it cold in here? Or is it? Sorry. <clears throat> is it cold in here? <laughs> or, is, or is it just me? And then <laughs> Simon Peters are like, good memory. Is it cold in here? Or is it just me? Good memory. That's it's bad. It's bad. It was not necessary. You could have had another, you know, chill out. You know, like you're as cold as ice kind of line. Either way, you my my ultimate uh, cut it out worst line, which both of them are are great bad lines. Um, but it would it was a tie. Uh, one of them was. When John Spartan is wished to uh, be well, and his retort is, be fucked. <laughs> but my favorite has got to be uh, when Benjamin Bratt is using his uh, you know, police iPad to try to get advice when they're going to enter the museum. Oh, yeah. And he grabs it out of his hand and like throws it in the bush and is like, Access and correlate procedure. Establish communication with maniac intruder. Wrong. Hey, Luke Skywalker. Use the force. Oh, dear. It's it's sort of like, uh, hey, Poindexter, you forget your glasses? Approach with assertiveness. Mm -hmm. Tell Maniac to lie down. <laughs> Repeat the same line and then add the words, or else. Or else. So, Drew, what would you rate this fine piece of uh, early 90s cinematography? I would give this movie a very strong... See, and I'm I'm always so generous with my uh, with my ratings, but uh, nostalgically, but also rewatching it again, and it it doesn't necessarily get worse. It only gets better because you have more things to like 
notice and pick laugh apart at, <laughs> to pick apart and laugh at. I would give it uh, a good eight and a half uh, violations of the morality statute. <laughs> so, <clears throat> if this was a a big honkin' juicy rat burger, a honka chunka, a honka chunka of a rat burger. <laughs> And I judged it to have about five bites in it. I would take three out of five bites of that rat burger of a film. This is the best damn rat burger. But the first couple of bites, it's like, mm, oh, yeah, that's good. This is good. And then you keep writing, and you're like, this is this is rat. It's, it's good. Okay. It's, it's, not it's, bad. it's rat. <laughs> so, guys, thank you for joining us today in talking about 1993's Demolition Man featuring Sylvester Stallone. And Wesley Snipes, and a, a recent and unknown, but soon to become Sandra Bullock, and Benjamin Bratt, and Benjamin Bratt. Yeah. So, guys, if you want to uh, find us up on Twitter, take a look for us. Just uh, type in Real Feels Pod. You can also look for us on Facebook on Real Feels Podcast. Send us an email at face or at Real Feels Podcast at gmail And guys, as we had already said before, we are up on Patreon. Go take a look. Tell us what movies to watch. Show us some loves and those uh, joy, joy feelings. We want to see those joy, joy feelings. And more importantly than the Patreon guys, those joy, joy feelings can be put into uh, some five star reviews. You know, you could burn through some credits and choose a movie. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Have some input. Hell, even be on the show. Even be on the show. The max tier you could be on the show and uh, not only pick the movie, pick the genre. And co-host the show, guys. How can you? How can you pass that up? They'd be like our Dr. Cupcake. Ooh, they'd have carte blanche. <laughs> I'm Associate Bob. <laughs> I'd love to be here for your administration. Oh goodness! <laughs> so, guys, until next time. Thank you for being the realist. I can't use Nathan's line, so <laughs> just be well them for me, Drew. Be well. Be well. I'm a good conversation as I walk